Hello, I'm Arianna Raji Lee, founder of Pasha Mama, and welcome to our podcast, In Conversation, where I chat to health practitioners, baby and toddler experts, mamas and mums-to-be, to find out what they do and how their story can help you through modern motherhood. If you're loving what you're listening to, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. A little love goes a long way. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Passion Mama in Conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in this month. This month we are lucky not only to have one guest, but two. In this episode, we're talking about supplements, what they are, what they can do for us. And our first guest is Helen Snook, who is co-founder of a supplement brand called Indie. Our second guest alongside Helen is their chief scientist, Dr. Federica Amati, whose name you may recognize and some of you may even know her from a number of weaning workshops and nutrition talks that Dr. Fed has hosted for Pashamama over the last few years. I like to think of her as our in-house nutritionist. Now, Dr. Fed put me in touch with Helen a few months ago, and Helen was kind enough to send me their supplement called Mind. And whilst I'd previously taken supplements before, I always taken them, never really noticed any difference to how they made me feel, nor do I really particularly worry about where they came from. I would always run to Boots or Holland and Barrett gladly. So I started taking Mind and almost immediately, and when I say immediately, I mean a matter of hours, if not minutes, I felt different. I felt able to focus, I felt less lethargic, I felt I was able to concentrate on a certain number of tasks that I had set myself that day. And as a new mum, that feeling felt really novel. So I called Helen immediately and I said, I really want to try body. And I bought some body and I've been taking body every day for the last four months. And honestly, I felt amazing. And I've, I've noticed such a difference in myself that Indy have subsequently come on board as a passion mama partner and I felt really strongly about asking Helen and Fed to come on to this episode not only to talk about indie supplements specifically but supplements in general what are they why do we need them in this episode we talk about how our gut impacts our mental health which is something that's incredibly tricky to manage as tired mums who aren't necessarily prioritizing our own health yet we know it's so important to do so we also touch on how we can support good gut health and how we need to look at not only mind and body as two separate entities but as one whole being we also touch on how nutrition in those first 1000 days from conception up to two years old is often referred to as a golden opportunity and towards the end of the episode Helen and Fed both share the one ingredient they would recommend we all take to really help improve how we feel. As I mentioned, Indy is a partner of Pashamama. This is by no means a paid episode, but we do have an affiliate link with Indie Supplements. So if you did want to purchase some supplements after you've listened to this episode and heard how wonderful they are, you can do so by heading to the link in the show notes and use the code PASHAMAMA10 to get yourself 10% discount off your first order. So enough from me, I'm going to hand over to the two gurus to talk about how we can help our brains and bodies thrive. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do, 
As always, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Good morning, guys. How are you? Really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Come on, right. This is going to happen, I think, when we've got three people on the podcast. So I might have to eventually start to direct some questions. Yeah. Um, but why don't we start with Fed? You you got there first. Um, why don't you introduce yourself uh, to our listeners and let us know how you are today? Yes, thank you. Hi, Ari. Well, I think some of your listeners might know me from our weaning workshops. Um, I'm a doctor in clinical medicine. I have a PhD, and I'm also a registered nutritionist. And I actively have a research position with Imperial College as well as others. And I also have a clinical practice and I work with Indie Supplements on their amazing supplements, which we'll talk about today. Amazing. Thank you. And I'm also a mama to two. I should probably say that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks, Fed. And uh, Helen, hi, good morning. Good morning. So, yes, I'm Helen. I'm one of the two founders at Indie. Uh, my husband is the co-founder. And I'm a mum of one. My daughter Poppy um, turned one and a half last week. Oh, amazing. Um, I wanted to know, how is it working with your husband? Because I did know that you co-founded it together. And I am so impressed when couples can work together. My husband and I can't even cook in the same kitchen without driving each other crazy, so. (laughs) Well, I can't say we don't drive each other crazy, but um, so far, so good. We both have our roles and... um, yeah, we're, we're kind of muddling through, learning how to parent and learning how to run a business together. So we're so far, so good. Good. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, and I'm so glad that you're both here and we're able to have this conversation because, Fed, obviously, as you said, like, you've been doing stuff for Passion Mama since we were born, essentially. And you introduced me to Helen and Indy. And Helen, you kindly sent me some of your supplements to try and then I was like completely wowed by them that now I'm getting them on a regular basis and supplements for me I think have always sort of intrigued me because I've I've sort of known that you should be taking them but I guess I don't really I hadn't really known sort of why and which ones to take so maybe we could start with that as a kind of starter question Um, and I'll put this to you Fed to begin with what are supplements how do they work and why do we need them, particularly as women and mothers? It's a really good question. So if you had asked me this question before I had clinical practice, I would have said, well, we don't really need them because we are, are able to absorb everything we need from our diet. And strictly that's true, but practically that's not very easy to achieve. And what I mean by that is that most of us, listening to this podcast and most of us who live in the UK, although not all of us, will have access to plenty of food, we'll have access to fresh fruit and vegetables, and we'll have access to the things we need for good health. However, it's actually very difficult to meet all the targets that we have, especially if you're somebody who's very busy, has a stressful job, perhaps a, a very active lifestyle. Meeting all the requirements is difficult. It takes a lot of thought and a lot of knowledge. Now, if you add pregnancy on top of that or trying to conceive or postpartum, so all those periods in women's lives where extra is asked of us physically, mentally and everything, um, it can be really tough to actually reach those goals. So supplementation has a role in basically enhancing diet. So the, the big difference between taking supplements 
in a healthy sort of way and taking them in a way that might not be helpful is we have to remember that supplements are there to supplement our diet. They're not there to replace. Um, so the, one of the reasons why Indy is so fa fantastic in what they do is that they create dietary enhancers. Um, so I do feel quite strongly that we shouldn't be looking to supplement companies to replace our food. That really isn't a good approach. And actually there are some clinical trials that were done in populations where food isn't abundant. They've given multivitamin supplements and they don't work. So we know that if you take a population that doesn't get enough food and you give them multivitamin supplements or a placebo, the multivitamin supplement arm actually doesn't have better outcomes. So we know we can't replace food with supplements, but day in, day out, when we're all running around like headless chickens most of the time, juggling a family and a job and trying to drink enough water and go to the gym, <laughs> like it's good to have some, some help. And there's a couple of exceptions in iodine, folic acid, where we know if the woman doesn't get enough of that, of those ingredients, sorry, those nutrients, there will be diet consequences for the pregnancy. So there are some, some sort of stark, that folic acid for me is like the number one example of, we know that if we don't supplement, the consequences could be quite bad, you know? Yeah. And so specifically why, like what do supplements do in terms of like, so do they enhance, you know, I don't know, hair growth or help us sleep better or, you know, or is it a whole bunch of things that. Yeah. So it really depends on what you're taking. Right. So if you're, if it, again, multivitamins, I've got to say multivitamins that are just a random collection of extracted nutrients from okay sources, sometimes just completely artificial. There's really no evidence that they help. So Unfortunately, some people like to take them and makes them feel like they've done something, but those kind of general multivit things, like probably actually not worth your money at all, in fact. Um, Which to be fair, I feel as though, even myself included, and I know people from the Pashmama's from the Pashmama community, like, you know, you soon as you find out you're pregnant, I like ran to like Boots or Holland and Barrett and I bought, and bought, bought, bought these things. And then I think I actually showed you, Fen, you were like, absolutely no point in yeah, yeah, taking exactly. these things. But I can imagine the amount of money that's spent on things oh. that are completely useless. And it's the business just... has boomed since COVID. Yeah. It's, it's gone up three times, threefold. Wow. In, well, that was just in the first year. So like, you can imagine there's loads of money to be made there. Um, But in terms of, do we know if it works? We know that it doesn't actually. So um, it depends what you're supplementing for. There's also another, one of my favorites at the moment is collagen. There's literally no evidence to show that it helps, but you can talk to millions who'll be like, but my hair is so much better now. And my skin is so much brighter now. And it's like, it doesn't, there's no, also mechanistically, there's no reason that it would work because if you ingest collagen, it gets broken down to amino acids in your body for then for, the, for it to then be reconstituted as collagen. You can't eat collagen and then, collagen doesn't just go to your skin like it doesn't work like that you have you break everything down right so unless you're somebody who's protein deficient in which case you're just taking a protein supplement with a collagen um it doesn't automatically pump your skin right but it's funny people do believe it and we can't deny the placebo effect so if it makes you feel better fine but it's not going to be helping any specific outcome um so multivitamins really not worth not worth it when it comes to supplementing something like folic acid you know, yes, all of them are regulated actually. So if you're taking folic acid for pregnancy, they have to have the recommended dosage in it. And it is worth doing. It's worth supplementing with folic acid because I could say, sit here and say, yes, just make sure you're having enough leaf green, leafy greens every day. Make sure you're having, you know, plenty of avocados, but make sure you have plenty of whole grains and you would probably get enough folate in those foods. But the risk of not getting enough 
kind of makes it easier to just recommend folic acid supplementation for pregnancy and conception. That's also why the government has finally resolved to add folic acid to grains, which UK is like one of the last countries to do that. Um, so, and, and then there's other, vitamin D is really controversial. So some people will say vitamin D supplementation could solve everything, but there's a big question mark around whether low vitamin D status is actually just a marker of poor health. Um, and so actually supplementing vitamin D is just putting a plaster on an open wound, you know, it's actually not doing anything. Um, I'm in the camp of, I don't think vitamin D supplementation is the answer to everything. Um, and I don't think we should be too focused on taking really high dose vitamin D. I don't think that's helpful. Um, so there's just a few examples. There's other ones that have good, like uh, omega-3 is another questionable one. There's not like huge amounts of evidence that that actually does anything in the long term. And we have to remember these things like omega-3 supplementation originally comes from the fact that on population levels, we see populations with really high omega-3 consumption from fatty fish. They do really well in certain things and they have better outcomes. So we, what we've done as humans is go, OK, well, what is it in the fish that's actually helpful? And we've tried to extract the one component and make it, make it into a supplement, to, into a magic pill. It doesn't work like that. It's about having a diet that's rich in, the, rich in these fish and the berries that they eat with them. And so the Nordic diet is very specific in what, it, what it's made up of. And it's more likely to be the diet itself as a pattern as opposed to just the omega-3. So the sub supplement industry does try to target things in a specific way. But what Indy's doing now, which is different and which is, makes more sense is to actually look at targeting food groups. So here Indy's, you know, created something which has high fiber content. Now we know from clinical trials that increasing fiber in supplement form, right? So specifically extracted fiber from plants is better for our health. The European Food Standards Agency actually says, if you get enough beta-glucan, you're reducing your risk of cardiovascular disease. And there's a set amount for that. So we know that these do help. Fiber, polyphenols, which is basically just the chemicals that make our fruit and vegetable colorful, we know that supplementing those helps for health. So there are now this sort of this new way of looking at foods instead of just trying to extract one thing, <laughs> one chemical and saying, this is it. It's like, actually, there's something about the entire plant, which is helpful. And what Helen and Chris have done is they've gone, right, let's take the plant, <laughs> freeze dry it, powder it and put it, put it in a powder that people can just take. Um, and that's a whole food solution. And I think that kind of supplementation has a real role to play in the future of food. Um, and, and I think with the other supplements, we have to be really mindful and we have to ask ourselves, why are we paying like, you know, Manuka honey is another favorite of mine. Why are we paying 50 pounds for Manuka honey? There is no evidence to show that it's that different really. So um, we have to be careful, watch, watch where our money's going and watch yeah. what the claims are saying as well. Yeah. More often than not, it's like, it may help support this. And you're like, well, so may help eating a better diet, you know, so may actually having more plants in your diet. Yeah, I totally get that. And I, and I, <laughs> when you said Manuka honey, I couldn't stop laughing because my husband is obsessed with honey in general. And so there's so much Manuka honey downstairs <laughs> in the kitchen. Um, but I think, I think you're totally right. I think part of the, part of the issue I know for me specifically is also just, you kind of want quick fixes, don't you? You kind of want, oh, it's just so much easier to just take this pill rather than actually cook the fish and buy the fish and do the fish. Mm -hmm. So I, um, but yeah, I, it's, it's, 
somebody said to me the other day, there's so much, we have so much knowledge, but very little wisdom. And I think that's definitely, definitely true when it comes to particularly buying things that we are ingesting. Um, Helen, I wanted to now specifically um, ask you to tell me a little bit about indie supplements specifically and how they work. Sure. So I think the first thing I'll say is, is really at the heart of our mission as a brand is to improve people's health and the way that people feel every day. And a big part of that is educating and, and using FED and using our other expert, Dr. Adam, um, to, to help us really explain what that means. But as part of this education, we also acknowledge that life happens and um, that there are gaps, there are nutrition gaps, as Fed's just mentioned. And India is centered, India's products are centered on helping people to fill those gaps. And that's very much where we started when we were product developing. So the range in short, and I'll let Fed um, explain in, in more detail, we've got five products, four are powder blends, whole food powders. Um, one is a sleep dropper. And you take those from, you know, we like to say we, we support from, from first thing in the morning till you go to sleep at night and then the cycle repeats. Um, so two, our body is, is our diet enhancer, very much sets your body up for the day. That's the one that's packed with fiber and polyphenols, which Fred just referenced. The second product is Mind, which is our brain food blend, packed with nootropics and antioxidants to help you. Um, essentially, it's a coffee alternative. That's the simplest way to describe it. Not that we have any problem with coffee, and um, we all actively promote the benefits of coffee. I know but, Fed certainly does. It? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, we we all know there's a limit, and there's a time of day that coffee has its place. Um, I also don't like coffee. I, I'm sorry, Fed. I've never liked it. So for me, Mind has been a, a, a brilliant tool, especially being a, a new mum. Um, and then the other two powders are, are proteins and then the third sleep dropper really speaks for itself. So you sent me mind to try and um, I took it, I think, at a time when I was sort of coming out of the newborn haze and I was sort of almost ready to get back behind my laptop a little bit and do some work. And I remember taking it on the days specifically that I either had a Zoom meeting or something uh, or I had to kind of get a lot of stuff done on my to do list. And I was, I was shocked at how sort of switched on and productive I was after sleeping really poorly for God knows how many weeks. <laughs> um, so I literally, I, I, I think I messaged you, I was like, I'm going on holiday. I need to get some, I need to get some more of this. I want to try body now as well. And I take body every day and I add mine to it when I have to do some work or I have meetings or something like that. And I honestly cannot tell you how, great I feel how like regular my body is you know like clockwork I'm going to the but you know everything is just sort of feels just I feel a lot more balanced I think is the right way to to describe it and so Fred I guess my question for you is what is in for example mind that and, and Helen you did touch on these ingredients but what's in mind that makes me feel more alert for example or what's in body that makes me feel more balanced particularly as a mother in this post you know immediate postnatal yeah. period so mine's really good for postpartum because it does have caffeine in the guarana but it's a much much lower dose than you get in caffeine in, in coffee so it's a different plant it still contains caffeine but it's much lower dose um so you get 
just enough caffeine that you can wake up, but it doesn't give you anxiety. And also it's, it's low enough that you wouldn't worry if you're breastfeeding, right? Uh, it's not going to keep make your baby fussy or anything like that. Uh, so that's the kind of the alert side. But as Helen said, the ingredients in mind, actually, there's a really high cacao, high flavanol cacao in it. And we know that that specific, so it's flavanol, which is a, a, just a chemical from the cacao, is really good for brain health. It really helps to enhance our ability to focus. But in the long term, there's the flavanols and the cacao and the nitrates and the beetroot, which are actually really good for vascular health. So it's, it's good. It's as good as coffee for keeping you alert. But in the long term, you know, you could say that it has other benefits that coffee doesn't have. Coffee is not particularly high in nitrates. It's high in fiber. It has other things for you. But this idea of creating a product that really enhances vascular health, so your, your blood vessels and how they function, is really, it's really cool and it's very exciting in a time when we're all more aware of how bad the impact can be of poor vascular health on the brain, uh, vascular dementia is on the increase. So if we're thinking about really long-term health, this is a really good um, way to approach what we're drinking for our focus. You know, let's make, why not make it into a health drink as well as something that helps you stay alert. So mine's a really interesting combination. I actually love mine because I love coffee. Yes. But as Helen said as well, after like a certain time of the day, I'm like, hey, I've had like three coffees. <laughs> let's move on. And it's a different flavor, isn't it? I love, and I love the cacao. I have it over ice like in the afternoon I absolutely love it oh, wow it tastes amazing that. um so that's that's what my that's why mine's really interesting now body is just brilliant because it has these 5.3 grams of fiber per sachet so you're starting off with we're, we're all aiming to get around 30 to 35 grams of fiber a day how do you even measure that I mean it's hard to do I don't I couldn't tell you exactly what you need to eat to reach that but it's nice to have a product which at the beginning of your day or whatever after lunch you can have it with some kefir or yogurt or however you like to take it as a drink um and you know that you've had uh, just over five grams of fiber so it's really helping you set set you up for that ideal amount of fiber for the day which we know is good for our gut microbiome which in turn is in, is good for reducing inflammation it's good for as you said going to the loo every day and good gut health but not only does it have five grams of fiber, they're different types. They're from different plants. So you can go out and buy like psyllium husk fiber supplement. It's one type of plant. And that's cool. You know, that works for some people for some stuff. But in indie, you're getting amount of fiber and diversity of fiber. And that plant diversity is where I get really excited because that's what we need to help sustain a diverse microbiome which will then help to produce all the fun stuff that we need, like neurotransmitters, enzymes. I mean, it's serotonin, you know, is produced in the gut. If we don't give it the right fibers, it's not going to make us serotonin. So being happy when you've slept two hours and your baby's crying and your nipples are sore is a bit easier if you are able to produce serotonin when you look into the baby's eyes, right? <laughs> so, um, so body offers this combination of high fiber, diversity of fiber really high polyphenol i mean there's hascat berry blueberry there's i think there's three berries i'm missing a berry helen i'm missing a berry aren't i i can't remember there's, there's so many high anthocyanin ingredients in there um and there's also some more exciting ingredients that don't have the same clinical like evidence behind them but i think they will in the future in these adaptogens so maca root and lion's mane which is a, a sort of medicinal mushroom 
so it's a really I mean there's no secret that body is like I'm so excited about the formulation I wasn't even involved in it they did it without me and I came out on board and I was like this is amazing so good um and then actually I have to say I also love the two proteins so tone I especially love because tone has some fiber as well as having protein in it and it also has um polyphenols so for me tone if you're looking for a good protein supplement and I have to note here that protein supplementation is not recommended during pregnancy okay so we shouldn't be doing that during pregnancy we should definitely be getting it from food but after after your you've, you've had your baby then great time if you start moving more again and again it's really hard to get full proper meals after you've had your baby especially if you're breastfeeding and you've got one hand always busy tone is such a good protein supplement um and then build is like the one that's got loads of protein in it for the proper bodybuilders so I know a bit less about that one and Dr Adam Carey is really good at speaking about the importance of having you know high protein supplementation for training um so that's there for the proper athletes I know Ari you are one of those people who are like you have been a proper athlete so you may have done that in your I don't think I'm considered a proper athlete food, you you taught spin not, lessons yeah. so yes <laughs> In my books yes um I attend spin lessons okay if you teach them that's different and then of course rest is actually really exciting because rest is a dropper it's a sleep dropper so there's no fiber in there but regardless I'm still excited about it because it has such good quality ashwagandha and ashwagandha has wreaths of evidence behind it and it's cortisol lowering effects um, and valerian root, we know again from clinical trials that it actually helps you fall asleep. So again, very simple, like rest looks simple, but it's it's effective. It's made to actually work. And now for new mothers, I think talking about sleep deprivation can sometimes be a bit cruel because you're like, well, I don't really have a choice, right? So it's very much, the good news is that once we get through that phase and our children eventually sleep, and they do eventually sleep, even if some of them take longer than others, it's getting back into a good sleep routine when you can. That can be sometimes difficult for mums to actually be able to go to sleep early and wake up rested. So that's where rest can really come in. So once your children have done with their sleep, sort of, you know, if they start sleeping through the night, and when I say that, I'm very mindful of saying that, but if they go to bed at say 8 p.m. and they wake up at like 6 a.m., that's my children's sleep pattern, for example. And you start getting stretches of sleep at the same time every night. That's what I mean by sleeping through. Getting back into being able to actually fall asleep on time and having a good sleep can be difficult for some people. And this, the rest supplement is a great gentle way of just helping your body to de-stress de and know that it's okay to go to sleep now and that you can sleep for a few hours before you need to wake up. Um, so for mothers, that, that's, that would be the case. But I think rest is so appealing to so many groups of people because sleep is so dysregulated across our um entire population really across all age groups so yeah. there's a, a lot to say about making sure that we prioritize sleep as well and we you know i i'm i'm guilty sometimes of sleep of working right up until i'm supposed to go to sleep and then i like literally switch my emails off i'm like well, i can't go to sleep <laughs> so you've literally just worked until the very last minute of your day and you my you know your our brains need some time to just go to sleep decompress yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought um the rest supplement up because I was going to ask I haven't tried it and I actually really want to but I didn't I wanted to ask 
as an as a newish mum now, I guess Phoenix is seven and a half months. He's not feeding throughout the night, so he, you know, that doesn't mean that he is the night is not interrupted. But yeah. if I'm I'm still breastfeeding in the morning, how safe are these sleep drops to take when you're breastfeeding? And also, even if baby was feeding in the night, could you still take them as a tired mum so that the periods of sleep that you do get maybe are a little bit more restful? Yeah, so I guess if you're, say for instance, with somebody who, who puts the baby down at seven and they're not gonna wake up for a feed until midnight, and maybe you wanna get some sleep between like eight and midnight, say four hours, then there's no reason not to take it before your eight o'clock. So, cause eight is quite early to go to bed, right? So I guess you might wanna take a dropper at seven so you can have a rest at eight. Um, it is safe to take the, the quantities are effective are active they're effective but there's nothing in it that would be harmful to the baby valerian's rapidly absorbed so if the if you're not breastfeeding for a few hours that'll be fine um so yeah i wouldn't there's no kind of contraindication i wouldn't do it for a newborn newborn 100 i would wait anyway but later on when they're not likely to feed for a few hours um yeah that's fine i would just it's not gonna not it's not like you're not gonna be able to wake up it's just you're just hopefully gonna fall asleep a bit quicker and, and have have more of a rest um but I think you know for Ari for you if, if if Phoenix isn't sleeping seven and a half is still a baby by the way you're definitely a new mom but um if you're if he's not feeding at night and maybe you're struggling to go to bed early maybe you're one of those people who used to be a complete night owl and now you're like right off to bed at nine and you're not falling asleep till midnight that could be really helpful and it'll help you feel more rested when he then wakes you up at 5 30. Yeah I love that you've called it rest because I actually put a post on Instagram yesterday like a couple of days ago, like, I don't think I'll ever feel rested again. You know, even like, (laughs) even sometimes there've been a few times where he, like, I, it's less about him sleeping. It's actually me. I'll just wake up at random points in the night. So it's just so interrupted. So I think I'm going to, I'll definitely try to see if this can just sort of just keep me slightly more mellowed, I think, because I can just wake up and just stay awake for hours and he's snoring his head off in the next door room you know so I just find that so cruel. It's such a cruel thing. (laughs) It is. And I think Helen, I think, I think when when you designed it Helen it was it was to help like it's about helping to de-stress and decompress so you can have a better sleep exactly I can speak from my own experience Ari that Poppy was probably seven or eight months old when we were testing rest what I would often do is take half a dropper before bed to help me wind down and relax it very much has that that benefit it helps you to um, decompress and then helps to get into a deeper sleep but knowing that Poppy may wake up at one, two, three, I would just take half a dropper and it was enough for me. And I think a big thing that I've learned from Fed over the last few years has been to really just listen to your body. So try it, try half and really think about how it's making you feel. And I think that applies to all the supplements um, and, and be quite intuitive with it. So there is absolutely no, no reason why you couldn't try a half dose and, and then increase as your baby sleeps better. Yeah, I think I, I will... I'll add that to my shopping cart soon, Helen. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you also mentioned, so, so Rest is your newest product and Poppy was seven or eight months. So you started Indie at like when she was newborn or before. I, I, I think I, I listened to an article, read an article, or listened to another podcast that you did talking about how, you know, at the start of motherhood, you were, you know, really battling fatigue and felt really lethargic and like lacked focus. I mean, every, I think every new mum can definitely relate to all of those emotions and feelings. 
Um, is that why you started indie? And what, I guess, how did you start to overcome these things if indie wasn't there to support you at that time? And, and you know, did you find um, that, you know, you were able to maybe optimize your health more through nutrition at that time? You know, talk, talk me through that, that phase. Sure. So we launched Indie um, in February last year and Poppy was two months old. Um, so yeah. literally how? I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, well, lo- lots of help from family and, and Indie, those two combined. Um, so we, we were working on, on Indie for, I mean, the product development was two years in the making before that, you know, years of research and scheming. Um, a lot of people ask us if it was a, a lockdown project, and it certainly wasn't. It, it started well before that. Um, and, and really, the business was born out of our own personal frustration, you know, some of which you've just described, Ari, and, and Fed has, has really um, brought it home of how confusing the supplements market is. So when Chris and I were trying for a baby, we were supplementing and confused. Um, we didn't know Fed then, unfortunately. Um, when I was pregnant, same thing. I did exactly the same. I bought every supplement and then asked Fed. Don't know why I did it that way round. And that that was really, uh, you know, where it began is why can't we just eat whole food blends? So we were buying powders on the internet from goodness knows where, crazy expense, blending our own, you know, our whatever dosage we'd come up with that day, something would go in the smoothie. So we were acutely aware that there was an opportunity to do something. And it started as a as a personal project and it turned into a business. Um, to answer your question about how how we kind of coped, I think Chris and I have always been very mindful of eating healthily, home cooked food, um, trying to get as much diversity in our diet as possible. There were days, of course, where the wheels came off and we didn't eat nearly as well as we would want to. And, and I guess that's where indie really came into its own. It's, as I said earlier, acknowledging that life is, is difficult and busy. And when you have a baby, it couldn't, it couldn't really get any more difficult in those early days. So indie was a crutch and, and it was a real test. I, I took body religiously every day and, and I still do. And you do feel a difference. You know, Ari, you mentioned that. It, with body within a few days, you will notice a difference in your gut health and in your digestion and your bowel movements. And as time goes on, all of those benefits to your gut health have all of the benefits we know. I mean, one of the things we get um, feedback on a lot is, why are my skin, hair and nails looking so much better? And of course, it's all linked to your gut. Um, Energy levels, you know, balancing out your mood, you, you said it perfectly, Ari, it does make you feel more balanced. And that applies to, to a lot of things. Um, mind, I mean, goodness, what a, what a crutch for me. Uh, the days that I'd had very little sleep, felt very foggy headed and I had to sit down and, and write a blog or um, do a podcast recording. I mean, goodness, I was really reaching for the mind and, and mind is something you feel a difference within 15 minutes, literally. you you, you you drink the shake or you mix it in uh, yogurt and within 15 minutes you feel more alert and it knowing as well that it's it's doing benefits to your long-term brain health as well is great and then lastly tone I mean I I took tone which is our one of our proteins um 
every day, as, as Fed said, not when I was pregnant, but after Poppy arrived. And that really helped as I started to exercise to support that. I remember just aching like hell, like go on a long, brisk walk and I'd come back and feel achy. So tone definitely helped in that respect. But also while I was breastfeeding, you know, acutely aware um, I fed Poppy exclusively for four months and I was acutely aware that I was kind of pulling my body in 50 directions. So protein helped um, to fuel me and on the days where a, a nutritious meal was uh, not on the cards, um, between those three, I felt like I was, I was doing myself some, some love and yeah, lots of family help. So we survived, we lived to tell the tale. <laughs> oh it's so amazing I'm literally like in awe of anyone how anyone does anything with a baby of any age to be totally honest um but I'm glad so Helen you mentioned the word gut a lot and um fed I know you know we we've spoken about gut microbiome and, and the benefits and stuff and uh, you mentioned fed earlier actually that you know serotonin is made in the gut Does that, did you say that right did I write that down quite precisely nice. no yeah. idea it's absolutely mental um and so it's no wonder then that the gut is sort of described as our second brain yeah and even on the days that I know that I eat badly in an inverted commas foods that just don't necessarily that don't necessarily make uh, they're not going to necessarily make me feel good beyond the moment that I'm eating them um can definitely have an impact on not only how I feel physically, but my mental state as well. Um, so how can we nourish our bodies and our minds through food in order to have not only a healthier gut, but also a happier, happier mind alongside it? So I think, first of all, I think we have to stop separating them. Um, so parity of esteem is the sort of scientific terminology of it. Mental health and physical health are completely interlinked. The one doesn't exist without the other. So you're right in the sense that, yes, our gut is like our second brain. It produces loads of neurotransmitters that if we don't eat the right foods, won't be there. <clears throat> but if we actually just start thinking about our bodies as a whole, then we'll realize that pretty much everything we eat that's good for our gut is going to be good for our skin. It's going to be good for our brain. It's going to be good for everything. So you know, we spoke, I think we did something about the vaginal microbiome together as well. And I said, I said in that, you know, our gut microbiome and vaginal microbiome are closely linked. If you have dysbiosis of the gut, you're more likely to have dysbiosis of the vagina. It impacts your ability to conceive. It puts you at higher risk of preterm labor. So it's not, you know, our bodies are finely tuned machines. And the whole time, all our body is trying to do is keep us alive. And there's biology GCSE takers will remember homeostasis homeostasis is basically the principle of life okay so all our bodies are trying to do all the time is keep everything balanced and keep us as alive as possible with what we give it so when we have a gut that is in survival mode for most of our adult lives and all it can do is just try and keep us alive as best as it can then that homeostasis is quite it's on a quite a fine thread and how does that happen it actually happens quite easily with Western lifestyles. Okay, so we're talking about eating mostly ultra processed foods, not drinking enough water, having, uh, you know, fizzy drinks. And, and I'm not talking about the extremes here. I'm talking about fairly standard prep on the way into the office with a coffee and an orange juice. Then maybe at lunch, you're grabbing a salad from the supermarket and you're having Diet Coke with it. And then you go home and maybe for dinner, it's delivery and possibly like a glass of wine. 
I'm not talking about, you know, the people that you see on TV that eat 20 McDonald's a day. I'm talking about fairly standard behavior, but which over time and over days of the same pattern means that we're really not providing our bodies with what it needs to thrive. Um, and as soon as our bodies don't have what they, it needs to thrive, our brains can't thrive. Of course, like there's no way that we can have good mental health when our physical health is compromised. And it happens way before we actually seek medical help. It's, it's happening by just not really looking after ourselves properly and assuming that because our bodies are so good at this homeostasis thing, we can keep going even if we are eating the same thing every day and not paying much attention to what we're putting in our mouths at all. Our body will keep going like that until maybe our mid 40s and then we'll start feeling a bit crap. <laughs> so it's easy for us to just take it for granted. But actually what happens is when you look at populations where you do intervene, so as you know, I mean, in science background, so in my research, what I looked at recently for a paper is actually what happens when you give the Mediterranean diet to people with mental health issues in mental health hospitals. And, and there's a great group that are leading the research on this in really acute, uh, severe hospitals, so p p patients with really severe mental health disorders, and they just change their diets in the hospitals. And these patients were same medication, same everything else. Okay. They had much better mood, less attempts to suicide, less aggression. But when I say less aggression, their aggression decreased by 70%. So we're talking a big difference. So we know that even in the most severe mental health cases, just giving them a better diet can really help with their symptoms. And on the flip side of that, we also know that when we're in a poor mental health state, we're not exactly whipping up you know, a vegetable storm. When you feel like, when you feel rubbish and your mental health is in the pits, the last thing you're doing is cooking fresh meals from some fancy cookbook or popping down to Ottolenghi. No, everybody, you know, we are sort of programmed when we're feeling really bad mentally to eat what's really easy and quick and will taste good to try and get a little bit of a kick from that. So it's a self, like it's unfortunately, it's a bit of a vicious cycle once you get into it poor mental health can lead to poor dietary choices and poor dietary choices lead to worse mental health and what's really interesting as again with something like indie like if you if you are one of those people who knows that they kind of go out and eat the same meal or if if i know that i'm going to if i've got a clinic one day and i maybe i've run out the door i was a bit late dropping the girls to school i haven't had like a good breakfast the other day I texted Helen because I was like, oh my gosh, I've run out of Indy and I've got one of those days and now I don't even have that insurance policy <laughs> of having Indy with me. Because it can be really hard, even for someone who, whose job it is to do this, it's, it can be really hard on some days to make sure that you've ticked the boxes to help support your body to like thrive in that day. So I think we have to, like, we have to be mindful of what we're doing as a pattern of behavior every day in our homeostasis is our homeostasis in the thrive state or are we literally in the survive state and how do we get from survive closer to thrive is by adding in these habits which help to nourish us not just fuel us not just mean that we're awake or kind of awake but actually help to nourish ourselves physically and mentally because of the same thing and I think just adding in indeed to your to your day is such a simple way to do that and I often say I don't I don't take body every single day because some days I am at home like today I'm able to cook myself the meals exactly as I would like to have them when I'm working from home so I probably won't take it today 
I did have my tone just now you saw me but it doesn't have to be something that you like oh my gosh if I don't have it today it's the end of the world but build it into your routine on the days that you know that you're not able to do everything else as you would want to having these things in place for those days is part of an overall routine which means that you can thrive yeah yeah I think God, you said so much there. And also I do love, I'm just going to shout, shout out for body is that they do, they come in these like single sachets, which is just amazing. Cause I took like two weeks worth on holiday with me. And yeah. it's like super easy rather than like a huge, huge thing. So, um, gosh, you said so much stuff there, Fed. I don't know where to Sorry. start. Um, no, it's good. Um, I, I find it really interesting that even though I asked the question about the body and mental health, that I don't think until you said it, why do we look at body and mind as two separate things? They're like one whole thing. I don't think I've ever actually thought about it myself that way, even though I'm acutely aware of my body and my mind and the food that I put in and how it affects my brain. Um, and I guess it's because things are broken down like that, isn't it? It's like body and mind, spirit and soul, thank, whatever. Thank the Renaissance for that, right? Because that's when philosophy came about and then it became this whole like right. mental the mind was different to the body and it's historical, but it doesn't actually make, you know, make sense. We're the same. We're one person yeah. as a whole. And so actually even, but it, you know, it's intuitive in some ways because that's how we're brought up. And ha- so for example, the products are called body and mind, but body and mind both benefit body and mind. Mm. <laughs> but I think a part, a big part of the work I do is, is about parity of esteem and about making sure that when we, talk to patients in public health so more on the research side but also when I talk to my clients in yeah nutrition, looking at the whole person patient-centered care yeah you have to look at the whole person and and no person makes choices about their physical health without taking into account what their mental health is yeah. doesn't so yeah I'm glad it, that was new I'm glad yeah. that was it. yeah <laughs> um, and I think Helen you know as it boils down to what you said right at the beginning it's a huge education piece I, I think everything we do from conception to our periods to how to raise children etc it all boils down to a kind of lack of education and now I think particularly the women that I speak to such as yourselves we're at this like really wonderful time that we're becoming more and more aware of the lack of education in that space and how we want to educate not only our own generation but the ones to come after us obviously to make to make them more empowered to make better decisions for themselves and for their family so you know the work that you got the work that you're both doing is absolutely amazing and I think also Ari it's it's navigating the amount of information we all have access to and the sad reality is there is so much misinformation out there so we wrote a blog recently on our website called debunking nutrition myths which is written by fed helping people to navigate all the information we have access to online and what to look out for and what red flags we should all um watch out for basically because yeah it's it's a bit of a minefield mm, totally i send me that and i'll, I'll make sure that I, I put that in the show notes um i guess so my next question you know i think particularly the passion on the community we are a very health conscious bunch of women And yet, you know, as you know, we've all said, it's really hard to prioritize ourselves in these moments of fatigue and and tiredness and stuff. 
And I feel as though the reason why obviously we get bumped down is because there's this new new person that takes top of top of the priority list, our, 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 our children. And Fed, I've heard you speak about the first 1000 days from conception to two years old as an, a golden opportunity. So I know we've been talking about ourselves and our microbiome, but how can we better set up our children for the kind of, I guess, the best start in life? Yeah, so again, that, this is interesting, an interesting question because actually by helping ourselves as women um, or as females who carry children anyway, to have the best possible pregnancy and birth and the first years of life, we're actually directly impacting our offspring's health. So that it's not as separate as like baby and mum. You know, of course, they, we grow them <laughs> inside our bodies. So there's actually a huge amount of work that can be done at that point and so the first 1000 days is really well regarded in research um it's called the golden wind of opportunity and it's written about and it's really well understood the dohad hypothesis so de de um, developmental origins of health and disease is set in this 1000 day window and it talks basically about how the, for the formation in the uterus is when the blueprint for health is set for the child and it's, but it sounds quite scary. It's not that spoken about outside of academia. Honestly, every time I bring it up, it's usually to a look of her. Huh? I've never heard of that before. Like, what is that? So, and the reason is because I guess there's a lot we can do, but there's also, I, I think it can sometimes come across as quite a lot of pressure. And I don't want it to feel like that for the mothers. Essentially, what it means is that if we look at the egg that goes on to become our child, that egg has three months maturing in our ovaries before it's even released and hopefully sperm comes along, does its thing and becomes baby. So it's actually a little bit before the thousand days. It's like three months before the conception, that egg, you know, the DNA in that egg will have certain amounts of methylation, certain amounts of damage done to it according to how it matures in the ovary. So, um, once conception takes place, and I think here is the point where I say that the father's role is so much bigger than we thought before. Sperm health is crucial. Their nutrition is really important as well. So just want to make that point here because sometimes I think the women have too much pressure for that, for that as well. From conception to second birthday, all the organs are formed. We know that. So from an egg, you form every single organ the baby will have. And even at that point, so that's very early on in the pregnancy, it's the first few weeks, the mother's nutritional status basically can predetermine how well those organs will form. So there are, this, we get this knowledge from mothers who are very, very severely malnourished in war zones and in other situations where there's intervention from other countries to try and improve outcomes. We know that from those pregnancies, the babies that are born to mothers who are very malnourished, for instance, will actually have less kidney glomerular fit. They have less kidney parts to actually then function as adults. So they're more likely to have high blood pressure then in their 50s, for example. Another example is brain structure. Brain formation happens in that time. If you're very, very severely malnourished, your child will have um, different structures to their brain. So that's how we came about knowing this, how important this was. And what we can, what we know now is that essentially in those two years of life, not only organ formation, but also the risk of long-term health outcomes. So type two diabetes, suffering with obesity, um, mental health disorders. A lot of them are 
sort of um, the risks are preset by the second day, by the second year of life. So what can we do to help support like the best possible outcome? Now, of course, risk doesn't mean you're going to get something right. So I want to be really clear. This is looking at your relative risk of developing something is increased or decreased according to what happens. And there are some things that we absolutely cannot control and there is no point trying to pretend we can with diet or lifestyle. But here, what, what the idea of the first thousand days research is to help empower women to know that they are so important in that time. From conception to second birthday, we should be basically doing what a lot of the Scandinavian countries are doing and paying women full-time salaries to spend their time investing in the future generations because it's so crucial and it can have such an impact in the long term for the child's health but for maternal health as well so we know in pregnancy it's really important what you eat because those building blocks will then go on to make the building blocks for your baby and then we know that once the baby's born how they're fed up to the second birthday will then help shape the rest of their metabolic health for, the, for life. So now in an ideal world, babies would be breastfed. And if not breastfed, they would have donor breast milk. This country is still not set up to do that. We still prefer formula as an option to breastfeeding, whereas donor breast milk could be a really viable and better option. Now, by no means does this mean that if you need to formula feed your baby, you do that because, of course, the child needs to eat. And there are some really cool companies that are doing probiotics for formula fed babies. And they're doing um, some really interesting work around trying to diversify the formula as the baby grows, because at the moment, the baby's getting the same throughout just different volumes. And then as soon as you start weaning an area, you've heard me talk about this a lot. The foods that we expose our children to literally shape their palates. So if we are going in with lots of different flavors, lots of vegetables, lots of fruits, ground nuts, you know, whole grains, that is what your baby will learn is food for the rest of their lives. If we are going in there and we're giving, you know, pre-made foods all the time that kind of all taste similar, very similar, the, the pre-made pouches all taste quite similar. Um, they'll have less of an appetite for varied flavors, varied textures, and it can become more difficult as they get older to then try and expand that palette again and, and have them try different, th different things. The first thousand days, it's like, I really want women and parents and families to realize just how important that period is and how much we should be protecting it for the mother and the child. For the mother's health as well, I touched on it really briefly, but unfortunately pregnancy is a woman's biggest risk factor for obesity and type two diabetes, right? So it's the best thing that can happen to us if we want to be mothers, but it's also a really big risk <laughs> for our metabolic health. So mothers have to be really mindful as well. They need to look after themselves between pregnancies, especially. So that there's some amazing research out of King's College that shows that if, a, if between pregnancies, mothers don't give themselves time to recover and to basically not have them too close together and, and some people choose to have them close together that's, that's okay but in terms of health it's not ideal it makes it even more difficult for that mother's metabolic health to then return to a good baseline so after your pregnancy in those first two years of life when you're putting your all to raising your child you have to look after yourself to be able to do that is that old saying that's like you can't give what you don't have right mm -hmm. so 
got to feed your you've got to feed yourself the good stuff before you can give it away to your children and then your husband and the dog and the house and blah 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 and everything else so yeah just really looking after ourselves in those two year first two years of a baby's life and our lives as mums yeah. are so important you know I think it's a it's a really I feel like we could probably have a separate podcast on that topic itself <laughs> yeah. I think um I think that it's hard because we all know it's important or at least I hope that we all are aware that it's important but I think sometimes it's just the structures and the infrastructures particularly in this country are just not set up to or geared to supporting us as women and mothers and uh in those first two years and, and beyond you know so if we can make even micro changes to ourselves our diets what we're putting in I think that is just one you know big step in the in the right direction a question for you both and I feel like now I've uh, now we've had this conversation you're you're probably going to be like, there isn't one ingredient. But my next question was going to be, if there was one ingredient or maybe it's one food group or something, something simple and easy for our listeners to take away, what is the kind of one thing you would recommend us as mothers take? Helen, I'll ask you first. I think I can probably answer this question for both of us. Um, I think fiber. Um, and as Fed touched on earlier, it's not about just about the quantity of fiber, but the diversity of fiber. And yeah. that's literally the cornerstone of the body. Um, gut health is the center of everything. It's the center of Fed's universe for sure. Um, I think if we can support our gut, we'll see far reaching benefits. So for me, I think it, it has to be fiber and I suspect Fed is going to stay the same. I think you've probably spent enough time with me now today. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly like <clears throat> fiber. We don't, most of us don't get nearly enough. Um, and it's just exactly as Helen said, the effects of it are far reaching, beneficial on every single angle of health you can think of. And and, and it's the same for, you know, our children don't need as much as us, but we are raising a population that is more used to opening a packet of crisps than opening, opening a banana. So we need to, if we ourselves can be mindful of how much fiber we're taking in, we'll help our children know that it's really important. And that's a good, good starting point. Great. Helen, just to wrap up, because there's been so much good stuff here, guys. Thank you so, thank you so, so much. Um, What's next for Indy? What can we expect? Well, this month, a big moment we're launching in Selfridges. So Indy will be on the shelves in their Oxford Street flagship in the next couple of Congratulations. weeks. Congratulations. Yeah, I think a really big moment for Indy. Their buying team are vigorous in their um, selection process. So a real compliment that um, we're, we're on their list and also pass some pretty vigorous quality tests. So that was a relief. <laughs> so glad that we're able to share the indie message, spread the indie message to the Pashamama community. Um, you, you know, Pashamama are an affiliate of Indies. So um, I will be sharing the link to, to the products and stuff um, in the show notes and things, because I do honestly, I, I wouldn't have asked you to join this podcast or listed you as a partner if I didn't think this product I didn't see the benefits of it myself so I really really hope that we can um, sprinkle some indie powder to the to the Pashamama community to make everybody feel a little bit more moving them from survive to thrive right Fed? 
Yeah, it's like the health fairy dust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like that. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. This has just been such a wonderful conversation. I'm really aware that we've been chatting for ages. I could, I could just continue to chat about this kind of stuff for ages. So I will link to Indy, obviously, in the show notes. Also that blog piece that you mentioned, Fed. As always, thank you so much for your support on Passion Mama. I will link, obviously, to, to your accounts as well if people wanted to kind of get in touch with you. But, guys, amazing work. I can't wait to see where Indy goes next. Thanks for having us. Lovely to see you. Thanks, Harry. Bye. Bye. Bye.